whoa, what am I looking, what part am I on? Like, what's happening here? Okay, I get it. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we forage for free samples, one issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, the queen of the Costco food court herself, Jessica Frazier. Wow, you've really got my number. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's be listen, honest. Listen, Costco free samples are where it's at. Costco free samples. Not only that, like I went to Costco the other day because I needed passport photos. Unfortunately for me, they don't do passport photos. They no longer have a photo section any longer. So I went in Wait, there and really? I was like, well, this can't be a wasted trip. No, they don't. Not in my not in my town. Yeah. I, say, I think and they've got so, one over here. So got to come. I mean, I next time know. just come down here and hang out Staples. with Jeremy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's true. I went to Staples. <laughs> so but I so I went into Costco and I was like, well, this can't be a wasted trip. Am I right? So, of course, I like zipped all the way to the back, got me one of them five dollar rotisserie chickens yeah bopped back up to the front got me one of those and you could buy this right at the uh the register got one of those dollar 50 hot dog and drinks nice I... and one of their subpar churros which i usually regret buying because they're too dry i haven't had any of their churros i just i really love their pizza like their costco pizza is where it's at man like, that's what we're doing for the yeah. wedding reception at our house is we're just we're, we're gonna buy like couple hundred dollars worth of Costco pizza and <laughs> just let everybody kind of wander in and grab a slice. Hell yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, if you are new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discovery mini episodes that we do in between those deep dives. The gist is that we spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at local shops, looking for interesting stuff, and while a lot of the issues that we find and pick up are fun and weird, there may not be enough for us to do a full deep dive on. That's at the moment. We always reserve the right to change our mind and come back later on. So each episode features both of us talking about one random issue that we've come across in the dollar bins, basically what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. And if you have been paying attention to the last couple of episodes, we have started picking a general theme to cover for each week's Dollar Bin Discovery episode. And so this week, I was choosing the theme, and I went with comics that you got as a free giveaway. Yeah. Great topic. I like it. Yeah. So uh, what, do you, what do you bring to the table? <laughs> yeah. So I, I had to dig deep to something that I got earlier in my collecting. And I've previously discussed the hall in which I received this comic, but this was from the amazing box of comics I got from my dear friend, Matt, who generously let me go through his collection when he decided to purge some of his possessions a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I got a ton of really cool things, including this promo for Archie's Ham Radio, published in 1986. The script was by Bob Bowling. Art was by Stan Goldberg and Mike Esposito. Lettering by Rod Allerinshaw. Coloring and production by Barry Grossman, edited by Victor Gorlick, Richard Goldwater, and Michael Silberkleit. Was this like a Radio Shack tie-in? <laughs> no. Huh. 
This is actually listed. This ties in to my next sentence that okay. it's listed on the cover of the comic as developed as a joint educational project by members of the amateur radio business community in cooperation with the American Radio Relay League. That's wild because I remember at this yeah. point in time, Radio Shack had also basically partnered up with Archie to put out free comic books. Yeah. At which we discussed very early on when we looked at the Superman Radio Shack comics. That was a fun episode, though. Yeah. Also, we talked to one of the writers of those, Paul Coverberg, just recently. So we you did. should go back and check out those episodes if you haven't. Yeah, it was a good time. And these were distributed free of charge as well. Nice. Yeah. So this comic starts off with us seeing a volcanic eruption in Central America and then back to Riverdale High, where Archie and friends hear the news. Dilton states that he has a friend in that town and that he wants to check up on him. So goes into the school radio room to try to contact his friend, but remembers that he left the circuit board at home. So he brings the gang who has been tagging along this entire time to his home. Radio Shack, quote unquote, which is funny you said that, because that's, that's what they funny. call the place where you have all of your radio equipment, like it's usually in a room. So they call it a Radio Shack. Right. Which in his case is a converted garage filled with ham radio equipment. Well, and as we noted in that episode, Radio Shack was originally started to support the new the new field of technology of ham radio. Yeah, exactly. And let's remember, this is 1986, as we are considering all of this. The year I was born. I'm not that old. I'm 37 this year. So Dilton reaches out to his friend, explaining to the group that each person has a call sign, what his was, and how he kept track of who everyone's call signs are. Which, by the way, it's in an absolutely enormous filing cabinet where he's got all of these cards with people's names and like call signs on it. Oh, man, that's so great. So it's like a library card catalog almost. Yeah, pretty much for him. Nice. So he reaches out to his friend. So Dilton, like everyone else, is supposed to be in high school, but he reaches out to this guy who looks like he's in his fucking 40s. I don't know. It's really weird. (laughs) Real strange. Real strange friend to have. Makes sense because like the average ham radio enthusiast (laughs) is like a middle-aged dude. So Yeah, because he has to have the, you know, the money and the time and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, I get that. But it just was a little weird. I was like, oh, okay. So he reaches out to his friend. His friend's okay and lets him know, like, hey, we will reach out if there's any other updates. But can you help get these messages out to people from our town for people who live in other towns? You know, kind of a thing. So kind of spread messages. So they use the ham radio system and spread messages. Meanwhile, Veronica is onto another Nepo scheme. Big shock. <laughs> this time, it's that she wants to make a movie of a Viking-themed operetta. You know, starring, of course, herself as the yeah. lead. Okay. Right. Yeah, of course. And she quickly gets the rest of the gang involved. So, of course, this is Veronica. So she wants to have it directed by a famous person. So in this world... That famous person that they are trying to get is O.O. Wellen Mellon. I guess and that's like A.A. A. Milne or someone. Like that's like probably a, probably like a, a pastiche. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And her dad invites him over and pays him to direct the film for her. And bonus for Dilton because Dilton lets everyone know that O.O. is also a ham radio enthusiast and has a call sign. So he plans to ask him some questions. <laughs> okay. Upon questioning, right. however... 
OO gives some real, like, bogus fucking answers, and Dilton starts to get a little suspicious that he's not the real OO. So he tries to reach out to OO's call sign, but another actor chimes in, letting them know that OO was in Indonesia filming a different movie. So Archie and Dilton now know that this director is a fraud. Everyone else is on set kind of doing their, their this thing. This is great. You know? I love this. It's, re- it's really fun. This is really a really fun like one. I like this. So just then, because it gets better, because just then there's a huge earthquake in Riverdale and Veronica and most of the rest of the group, Sans Archie and Dilton, of course, because they're doing their own thing, like on this quest to figure out who this guy is now. So they're all swept up in the river that is caused by the town dam breaking. And they were all in this kind of Viking boat. And so because, you know, for the operetta. So they go in the Viking boat and they're like, no problem. It was built really well. And it immediately like runs into a stick. And so they start taking on water and like, (laughs) so yeah, of course they start to sink and Archie and Dilton are using the ham radio network to save them from certain death. They get people in helicopters. They have ham radios in the helicopters, et cetera, et cetera. So they get saved. They also use ham radio to catch the burglar who was dressed as O.O. Wellenmelon and who had been evading police for a while, dressed like other people and like evading police, and had definitely ripped off Veronica's family before being interrupted while fleeing. Basically. I mean, whatever. Like, they can afford it. Who cares? <laughs> they can. I don't really care about that part. I just thought it was funny that they were like, oh, while we're at it, we're going to yeah, catch this guy. Great. So at the end of the comic, There's more information about ham radio, what some of the terms mean, and what the different license levels were and what it took to actually receive them. There's also a little guide on the back cover on how to learn Morse code by sound, like by the sounds it makes, which is really interesting. Okay, so it's like the short short and the long beeps, basically? Yeah, but but having like da, di, da, dit, you know, as like how it sounds rather than what it looks like, because, you know, that's sometimes a little bit easier to process for some people. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Again, it's 1986, but it seems like it should be like further in the past Mm. (laughs) than this, because this all seems like almost irrelevant with the rise and use of the Internet in the last, you know, 37 years. Uh, I mean, like, you know, the Internet wasn't really a thing until like the early to mid 90s. That was when it really took off. I know. But that's why I'm saying it just I don't know. This feels like so far in the past, but it really it wasn't that far. Yeah. Like anything that's kind of like pre the Internet, it feels like a whole other era, doesn't it? It truly does. It truly does. Yeah. So, yeah. This was a fun comic. I like that it gave bits of information through the scenarios. It was both entertaining and informative and actually made me interested in this type of radio, though not enough to take it up as a hobby. <laughs> Goodness, I do not need another hobby. I was about so, to say, you're like me. You don't need more hobbies. I don't have time. Oh, I may still go roller skating tonight. Is it advisable? I just got a tattoo today. Probably not, but uh, whatever. It's also hot out, man. But it's like we're in the middle inside. of a Bay Area heat wave. Yeah, that's fair. It's inside. It's like it goes from 9.30 p.m. to like 2 a.m. Well, it's it's like adult skate night at Cal Skate, right? Yeah, but it's one of the late night ones. Yeah. All right. They don't usually have it going until this late, so. Nice. And I was like, oh, maybe I will. Well, what about you? That was mine. Yeah. So mine is Ozzy Smith in The Kid Who Could. This was actually part of the lot of comics that I worked with Jeff Smith from the Comic Conner up in Canada on assembling. And mm-hmm. 
according to the League of Comic Geeks, it came out April 8th, 1992. I guess this was a promotional comic put out by Kellogg's in conjunction with both Sports Illustrated and DC Comics as part of the Tony's Sports Comics line. Like, mm. Huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. There are three different books put out as part of this program. There's one about Ozzy Smith, who we'll talk about in a minute. There's one about Nolan Ryan. And then there's one about Olympic track and field star Jackie Joyner Kiersey. I'm not sure if you had to send away for these or if they came with like a copy of Sports Illustrated for kids or or what. I couldn't really find any documentation about how you got them. But yeah, there also aren't any credits for the creative team. But according to the website Hero Habit, the Ozzy Smith issue was drawn by Joe Staten and Mad Magazine's Angela Torres. Torres was only used to draw Ozzy Smith while Stanton did the rest of the penciling. And the comic was also inked by Mike DiCarlo. I will provide a link to that article in the show notes if you want to go check it out. So Ozzy Smith was also known as the Wizard of Oz, and he was a shortstop who played Major League Baseball for almost 20 years, most of which were with the St. Louis Cardinals. He is understandably acclaimed as one of the best players in the sports history. When this was published in 1992, he had just earned his 12th appearance at the MLB All-Star Game and his 13th Golden Glove Award. And before we start... I want you to read the intro letter that is on the inside cover to this book. Okay, here we go. I love that, first of all, it's on, like, Tony the Tiger printed paper. Yeah, it's it's almost like a... <laughs> yeah. it, it's like a repeat pattern. It's like a wallpaper pattern almost. Yeah. So it at the top it says, Tony's Sports Comics. And it has Tony the Tiger in the middle like it's some sort of a, like, seal. Dear sports fan, I hope you enjoy this issue of Tony's Sports Comics, TM. The Kid Who Could is the story of how Tony the Tiger and I helped a couple of boys, Peter and Andrew, discover that good thing can come in small packages. Peter shows Andrew that you don't have to be a big home run hitter to be a good ball player. You can also win games with good fielding, good base running, good hitting, and sense. See you at the ballpark, Ozzy Smith. <laughs> to our readers. Remember, you should not try any new sports activities or exercises without the advice and supervision of coach or physical education teacher or your parent. I added that last part, but come on. No, it's very good. It's like, like, it just sets the vibe for what you're getting into. It's very funny. So the issue begins with Peter and his brother eating a balanced breakfast of which Frosted Flakes is a part of. And they are watching highlights of Ozzie Smith from last night's Cardinals game before Peter goes to play baseball with the neighborhood kids. And when he gets to the game, teams are being picked. One of the captains, Andrew, notes Peter's the new kid who just moved into the neighborhood, but Peter's too small to play with him. Peter is understandably upset, but then Tony the Tiger randomly comes up and asks him what's wrong. Tony is basically oh. like, don't worry, I got you, random child who I just met. And invites the entire group to come practice with a friend of his who's a major league baseball player. And everyone's blown away to see Ozzy Smith at the field. Ozzy literally says, well, look here. It's my good friend, Tony. Good to see you again. Like, good apparently Lord. Tony the Tiger just has a habit of, like, showing up with hordes of small children to play baseball with this dude who makes millions of dollars doing it. Okay, whatever. It is slightly alarming that he was just off in the wings like watching children oh my God. for them to like, need his help. That's one of my favorite things about this is, is like Tony the Tiger just lurks around like <laughs> n- 
suburban <laughs> neighborhood parks looking for, you know, t- children who get upset. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the kids are introduced to the shortstop with special attention paid to Peter and Andrew. And then Ozzy practices with the kids. Andrew initially is like, Peter's just lucky with his hits and outfield work. But then he warms up to the idea that the new kid is actually pretty good when Ozzy praises his skills. And then the next day, Peter and Andrew are practicing together. And then Tony fucking shows back up again. And he arrives with tickets to the Cardinals game, <laughs> courtesy of Ozzy. So the three go to the uh, Cardinals stadium. Ozzy is like, oh, yeah, you're good players. But uh, I got to quiz you about the rules of the game now. So we get a couple of pages of the kids explaining the rules of baseball and what different signals mean. Ozzy declares that they're batting a thousand. They watch the game well, and then they go home. I was going to say, am I to understand that like their parents are just allowing them to like go to a baseball game without them with just a random anthropomorphized fucking tiger and <laughs> like another adult they've never met before? That That's fucking sketch. I mean, here's the thing. It's like this was still the era of latchkey kids. Like. Yeah. Th- at I this guess point you're in time, right. my family was living in San Francisco. I would just literally be like, I'm going off on my bike. I'm going to go to the comic store, which is literally a couple of miles across town. Like, Lord. yeah. Like, it that's was li- true. It was I guess I like did a- do stuff like that too. Yeah. Like, my parents did not bat an eye when I was like, I'm going to go ride 30 blocks to and from on my bike. I'll see you yeah, this evening. I-, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it was a different era. Like, it couldn't be now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as opposed to now where it's like parents are freaking out about their kids biking to school. The final page is of a new neighborhood ball game where Andrew ends up snagging Peter as his first pick. And the inside of the back cover has fill-in-the-blank activities and a crossword puzzle. And the back cover has a stand-up picture that advisors need to cut out to get it to fully stand up. Thankfully, my copy of this book is in pristine condition. Nobody wrote on the inside or cut up the back cover. So, Lord. You know, yeah, it was kind of charming. Like, it's it's not amazing or anything, but it just it feels very wholesome and silly. And, you know, it's good natured. It's a little bit educational for fans of the sport. The art is solid. And uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't anything amazing, but I definitely found myself a little bit charmed by it. Oh, well, that's that's nice. That's fun. Yeah. What a, what a fun pick. Yeah. And so with that, we are wrapping up the episode. We will be back next week with a deep dive on something, who knows what, because we record these pretty far in advance. And then after that, we will have another Dollar Bin Discovery. So until then, stay safe out there, and we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, edited by Mike Thompson and Jessica Frazier. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookbombdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to TencentTakes.com or shoot an email to TencentTakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is TencentTakes. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica spelled with a K, but she's rarely there. And Mike is Van Sal, V-A-N-S-A-U. 
We're also on Hive, Mastodon, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The complete list is in the show notes. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop. Do-do-do-do-do-do.